Sales Tuners, Episode 9, Adam Weber, Vice President of Sales at Implify. And I just realized for me to achieve like what I wanted to in my life, I needed to hold myself to a daily standard that I believed in, that I felt proud of the work that I did. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown. The only weekly show where we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that get sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. It's time, it's time, it's time. It's Sales Sooners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Walt Disney, who said, the way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Adam Weber, co-founder and vice president of sales at Implify, one of the hottest and fastest growing startups in the Midwest. Prior to picking up a phone and dialing for dollars, Adam started Common Way Christian Church. And while he may have retired from being a pastor, he's still shepherding the chickens that I've been told he raises. Before we dive in, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors. A big thanks goes out to the team at Octa for helping make this podcast possible. We all know that a better sales process creates a better buying experience, and Octa is transforming the way sales documents are created, distributed, and tracked. Check out a demo at octave.com. That's O-C-T-I-V.com. All right, be sure to check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com slash Weber. But now, let's get to the conversation where Adam discusses his transition from carrying a Bible to carrying a quota. Yeah, it actually does tie all the way back to right out of college. I started a church with one of my good friends, and we, uh, you know, we were 22 at the time and grew the church a lot faster than we expected. And I'm really proud of what I did, but it wasn't something I was planning on doing for a long time. Um, didn't know what I was going to do. Familiar story for a lot of sales reps. And through a connection I had at, at the church, someone was like, you're good at talking to people. You should go into sales. Um, so I started working at a, at a company called SpinWeb in Indianapolis. It's a full-service um, marketing agency. And very first day, showed up at sales training before I even went to their office. And uh, I remember the sales trainer said, there's 30 people in the room. And he said, there's two people in this room that are going to be great at sales someday, that are going to actually listen to the things we say. And I just decided at that point um, that I wanted to be one of those two people and uh, transform my life, to be honest. I, I saw my wife, who is an architect, how seriously she took her profession and how she just uh, it, the amount of effort and work and i just thought sales is my thing i want to i want to take it to that level i want to uh, uh, take it that seriously and just commit to it and so uh, that's really what got my started to it and as soon as i started i got the bug and i've just continued and i'm hopeful that still today i'm doing this but just trying to get better every single day and and you said you showed up to sales training right so it sounds like you have some formal uh sales training what's that what's that background yeah, I've been through. San, I'm with San, in a Sandler program, and I've been doing it now for eight years. So, gotcha. great. Yeah, tra- obviously changed my life. Probably a lot of people say that. But. Absolutely, it is. So, uh, as as I talked about at the beginning of the show, you know, Adam, we talk about three things: the behaviors, attitude, and techniques, right here that that makes salespeople great. So, let's start with the behavior, and that's simply just what you do, right? So, talk to me today about your sales process. What does that look like here at Implify, and how does someone buy from you? Yeah. So. I would say one of the things I've done, you know, we're in technology, we've got a, a product that's fun to show people, um, but one of the things I've tried to do is take uh, the, the full Sandler submarine or the entire sales process, I'll say, and smash it into a one-hour period. 
Um, and so I'm trying to cover all the core elements of a sales process, but in a way that's very modern and meets the needs of today's buyer, where they want to see things, they want to feel connected to it. Um, and so in general, it's a, it's a standard one-hour process where um, initially you're aligning on agenda, there's a 30-minute discovery, there's a 20-minute demo, and then there's 10 minutes of next steps. And that's kind of the basic template, and the goal is that we just recreate that to a, in a predictable way that we know how many of those meetings it takes for us to close to generate the revenue that we're trying to um, to receive. Yeah. So how often is it a, a one-call close, or is that is that what you're telling me? Uh, no, it's not a one-call close. It's more that that's like the predictable first meeting, and then in that last 10 minutes, that decision section, then it kind of forks into uh, whatever way the deal goes, basically. When you, you kind of co-map out with your prospect what the mutual next steps are. Got it, got it. And so, you know, you're, you're one of the co-founders here uh, at Amplify, uh, but when you started, you didn't have a team, right? Right. It, it was you. So talk to me about like that, when it was just you trying to get this thing off the ground from a, a sales perspective, yeah. what were you doing? Well, so I was two years into my sales career when we started, um, and and candidly was I had a lot of room to grow. And, um, <laughs> our very first day, um, my CEO and um, business partner Santiago, we actually sat down at a kitchen table together. No cut, you know, no customer. I needed. I just picked up the phone, picked a list of uh, prospects. I had thirty prospects on the list, and I uh, I picked up the phone and I started to cold call, and he's sitting right beside me. And admittedly, I've done very little cold calling at this point. And I got up and I walked into the next room and I hid. And in the middle of that call, I realized like, I'm exactly as good as I am. So I walked right back down, sat right beside him and I bombed the call. And he was like, that was really bad. And I was like, that, that was really bad. What could we do to make it better? And we just both sat and brainstormed. And I picked up the phone again and I was just a little bit better. And then we talked about it and I picked up the phone and made it a little better. And so um, I think early, you know, that was one of the challenges was just to be open. And when I talk to reps today too, it's, that moment you start to hide from other people when you're doing things on your own, that's the moment you stop getting getting better. Um, I think another thing for me that was hard, you know, now obviously we have a sales manager and there's people that are holding you accountable, but at the time it was just me. So a week would end and, and I'm sure like a lot of people, cold calling is not like my favorite thing in the world, right? So I would do anything in the world to not cold call. Um, I'd wake up in the morning and, and kind of walk around the house and make sure I was doing the dishes and just like anything in the world. Like I, I spent more time thinking about cold calling than I did actually cold calling. Um, and I just realized for me to achieve like what I wanted to in my life, I needed to hold myself to a daily standard that I believed in, that I felt proud of the work that I did, that I could go into Saturday and, and feel like I could take a day off and feel proud of what I did. So um, I actually, what I had to do is I, I told my wife, I, I want to make 50 calls every day. And every night at dinner, you need to ask me, did I make my 50 calls? Um, and that was what hopefully started. You know, now we've got some rhythms in our office that allow people to make sure that every day you hit the minimum standards you hold yourself to. But um, yeah, it was very different in the very beginning, for sure. We also didn't have a product either. That made it a little different. So at the time, you know, it's, well, we, we were selling PDF files of what our app would be in the future. But um, I have very fond memories of that time. It was really fun. It, it's amazing, Adams. I talk to more and more uh, sales leaders. I hear that quite a bit, right? And so, uh, what I've the phrase I've used is "do the behavior," right? I have it on my monitor at work because I still, you know, I practice and preach. And so, when I'm practicing, I have to do the behavior. I have to make those cold calls. Right. Uh, and so, it's it's amazing for me to hear that from you. And the fact that uh, you even brought your wife in to to hold you accountable, I love it. Right? We have to do whatever whatever it takes. What does a typical week look like for you now? Yeah, for me now. Um, large component, I, we start every week as a team 
and um, everyone talks through what their week looks like. We usually break it into three sections. It's usually um, what upcoming meetings they have, uh, what meetings are close to close, and then what things are they working on to get better at. So we start. I always start every meeting with a team meeting. And then a lot of my time is really spent two ways. One is I join like the big deals, the large sales calls that we're working on. And then the other is I do a lot of call recordings. So I listen to my reps and then give feedback based on those calls. Um, I do a one-on-one -on -one with my reps every single week, 30 minutes long. And in that, usually what I'm doing is reviewing the feedback that I, I'm giving them feedback based on the calls that I heard. Uh, and then once a month, we all get together at the end of the month and we all sit down and, and talk through how much revenue we brought in, obviously the tactical things, how many meetings we booked and revenue we brought in, but we also talked about what things did we realize we need to improve on and what goals moving forward are we hoping to get better at. That's, it's, it's a pretty you know set rhythm. We Just like a sales rep creates a cookbook for themselves, I have a cookbook document that I follow every week that's people I need to meet with on my team, call recordings I need to listen to, calls I should be joining. So, you, so that's awesome from, from that weekly standpoint. Uh, and when you talk about that cookbook, is there something today or not today, but is there something that you find yourself you have to do every single day? And what's, if there is, what's that one thing? If there's, I would say if it's, if it's every single day, I think it's um, touching at least one sales call every single day, whether that's being on the call or listening to the call. I, I think that for me at the end of the week, at least, I have a minimum number of sales calls I need to listen to. Um, what I found is that to help my reps continue to improve, it's, we need to have feedback that's legitimately tied to the work that they're doing, not just kind of like observational from, the, from a distance or I overheard. It needs to be specific and direct. And um, So to, for a day to feel complete or for a week to feel complete, I need to make sure that I actually am listening to the calls that they're doing. So you've kind of already opened up the door here, but talk to me about uh, what you think the role uh, coaching plays uh, in high-performing salespeople. But I think the first thing you'll notice in high-performing sales reps is how willing they are to receive coaching. I think there's a common thread of the people that get better and better, um, that are constantly improving. It's a it's this insatiable desire every day to say, how can I improve? How can I better myself? And I think coaching is a vital part of that. That that manager sales manager sales rep relationship is a really unique one because the power is really even for your very best reps and your and your sales manager because you both need each other. Um, and when you um, Coaching is, is, comes down, you know, even my best rep, you know, my top reps, it'll come all the way down to like an email they're sending where they'll have me edit that email that we just have an open dialogue to make sure, um, are we communicating the thing we're trying to communicate? Is there clarity? Are we adding to confusion in the process or not? So more than anything, I think it's um, tied to, are we helping that person improve? And the, the other is like, are we inspiring them to do their best work every day? I think that's a really important part of a sales manager is sales is a really emotional you know, journey that that person goes on every single day because it's asking people to step outside their shell every day. And I do think that one of my jobs as a manager is to, is to help coach them to pull that out of them, to give them the, 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 um, a levelness and a steadiness, but also an excitement and enthusiasm to wake up every day and do great work every single day. I, I, so I, I want to move on to the attitude, right, a portion of this. And, and obviously the attitude is, is how you feel about what you do. But you just started talking about emotion. And to me, um, the emotion and attitude, they go hand in hand. So talk to me about what, uh, what does it mean to be a successful rep and, and maybe just the, the difference between the, your high performers or just high performers in general and, and your average rep. Yeah, I think the biggest difference is when I look at people that are the high-performing reps, um, I think the most underrated difference is steadiness. 
It's every single day showing up and doing a high volume of work every single day. Like the transition that took place for me was when I learned how to work eight full hours in a row, (laughs) as opposed to maybe four hours of legitimate work, but looking like I was working 10 hours or whatever it may be, right? It's, can we put together daily output? Because you're always found out in sales. You can't hide it. And so, so, true. so, so true. you take three off days and you feel those three off days. You may not feel them until the end of the quarter, but what you did the first month of the quarter comes back. And so those top reps every single day put out consistent output. Um, I think the other thing that, that is really important for them is just that they have those daily um, disciplines that make them successful. What are those minimum things I have to do? And, and for some, you can go all the way back to making cold calls every day. But, there's, but the best reps also have this mindset for, for me that they, they go into every month and they go four closes every month. It doesn't matter what month it is, first month, last month of the quarter. I get four closes every single month that I sell. So let me, because that's, that's fantastic. So let me switch to the opposite side of that. And what's the thing, uh, the biggest thing that you think holds salespeople back from hitting their goals? Yeah, there's... I think there's, I mean, obviously we all see this all the time. So I think there's a lot there and it's, um, there's nothing harder than watching a rep that, you know, um, cares a lot about the work they do and not, not being successful. I mean, if I had to distill it, I'd say one is, um, is obviously inconsistency, too much wasted time during their day. Um, the other is touches just in general. Are you actually doing the touches you need? I had a great example of that recently with my, one of my top reps, he ran a discovery with someone person went dark for six months. Um, and, he, they ended, anybody ran a great discovery, tons of pain. They really connected with it. And then the deal just came in and he sends this message like, can you guys believe this six months later? And at where he, and he, his comment was, this is what a great discovery does. And then I go into Salesforce and see that every two weeks for six months, he's sending value added messages. He's staying in touch with someone just, and you go, what makes you successful is that you're actually doing the work every single day to do it. Um, but I think there's other things too. I, I think one thing that, um, when you when your average you're willing to do is to run an agreeable meeting, to run a meeting that you might be able to end and go, I think that went okay. You know, I think I think everything was fine because they didn't say anything bad, but you also didn't swing them. And and you have to keep in mind that people show up to meetings like doing their job every day, and when you're selling them something, you're asking them to change. So you can't have them leave the meeting sitting the exact same way they were. And that means that means that you're not like you're asking the wrong questions. You'll let you'll talk about surface stuff and feel proud that you just let them talk, uh, as opposed to really understanding their situation and making them say that like how I'm doing right now is not okay. I can't stay in this situation. Um, I think sometimes when when you're you're in that state of you you want to get to exceptional but you're not, it's because you're not willing to hear no from your prospects. I can just hear the the sandler uh, coming out in you. Uh, you know, I, you're talking about the pendulum theory, right? You have to get a prospect moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can't just be in their normal state of being because, as you said, you want them to change. You want them to do uh, something different. Uh, Adam, talk to me about, you know, so uh, you've got a couple different products here. Talk to me about the average deal size. Like, what, what does it look like uh, monetarily for you guys when you close the deal? Yeah, and for us, it's a really huge, you know, really large range. When we when we first started, you know, our very first apps I was selling were for one hundred and ninety nine dollars a month, right? So wow, you're talking two, three thousand dollars, and now we see that range anywhere from five to in the hundreds. So it's now it expands. A big range. It's a pretty big range now, yeah. 
what's so 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 talk about that range right what's the difference between the five and ten thousand dollar deals and those hundred thousand dollar deals that you're talking about um there's probably two main differences it's i would say the most the thing that's been the most surprising to me is i've continued to kind of expand you know as our product has grown we've been able to sell it into a variety of places for a much you know larger cost than we could originally but um the, the most surprising thing is how similar it is. Most of the, the situations that take place are all the same. You just reapply them in different ways. Um, probably the biggest difference is how many times you have to run that first meeting. For a, for a, a $5,000 um, deal, often it is one meeting, maybe two. Um, but for a deal that gets into the, the six figures, you may have to run the exact same meet, that exact same meeting that you ran once another eight times. Just, just with to, different stakeholders. Just to get it with different stakeholders, exactly. Um, and, and then obviously then you get into the back end of that process where you have more technical and legal requirements, which is a, a little bit of an added element. But um, Do you see anything uh, with yourself or, or with your reps about um, are they afraid to, to throw out certain dollar amounts? Like do, are your people that are selling five and $10,000 deals, are they the same ones that are willing to throw out 50, 60, 70, or even $100,000? I think that's a process for for everyone to go through. And I, I think everybody, whether they know it or not, is ascribing some value that they believe to the product. Um, and, and I think that as your confidence grows, one, in the success that you have, I mean, if you believe in the product you sell, it's much easier to talk about a bigger a bigger dollar amount. Or if you believe in the value, um, and, and I'm hopeful that, you know, I, I believe, obviously for me, I really believe that we're creating an environment where it's people really believe in what we're selling. But there's no question, like, you start getting into dollar amounts that you've never seen in your own bank account, and it's a little uncomfortable. It makes you feel a certain, you know, it starts to feel like a lot of money to you. Yep. Yeah, it, it's amazing what that, uh, I'll call it head trash, right? But what that can do to us. And like you said, we we look at these dollar amounts and says, well, that's not money I'm comfortable with as a human, like as, a, as an individual. But being a business, it's just a completely different thing. So, uh, Adam, I want to move on to the technique. And again, technique is just this is how you do what you do. And you've started to talk about this a little, a little bit about this. You, for the most part, are doing a, an entire sales process in one call. That's what you shared with me. Um, but you've also talked about the idea of needing to get a prospect to move. So how do you uncover that pain? And how do you get them to talk about you know, where your opportunity is just in one call? I think part of it is asking really good questions. I think it's being willing. Uh, I usually do like, I try to do rapport through my early questions since I'm trying to do so many things in that hour. So my first question might be a little lighter where I'm just trying to help them know that I care about them and I'm interested in what, and, but then relatively quickly, I want to ask, I want to establish credibility through my questions. And the other thing I, I want them to feel within the first three questions is that this is not an adversarial conversation. We're on the same side and we're both trying to mutually uncover if there's actually anything here. Um, so I think that's the key is that, and, and usually one of the benefits we have is we typically run the same meeting over and over and over. So the conversations get relatively predictable. Um, the benefit to the, to the prospect is that you know a lot about the industry. So you can ask very specific questions that get kind of right to their heart right away. How do you balance that though? Because right, like when, and I love this and you're right, yeah. once you've done this for a while and you've seen some success, you do start to be able to predict and you know where the conversation's gonna go, you know the questions the prospect's gonna ask, but how do you balance that, um, uh, you know, with, without it kind of uh, being off-putting yeah. to the prospect? I think most importantly is you have to make sure that it's about the prospect and it's not about you. 
And you have to remember that it's not, it is not a formula. It is a journey that that person is on. And you've got to remember that like, my questions are not for me. My questions are for you to, to get you on a journey that allows you to decide if this is a good fit for you. And if I try to brush through that, that what happens is that I'm not listening. And when I'm not listening, I, I follow the formula and as opposed to I'm listening, this is about you, this is not about me. And now there's still, it's still fresh and it's still flexible because the, the, it's the nuances. You know, It's where I remember that the reason I ask these questions is because I'm trying to make that person go from one place to a different place. Mm. And it, they have to be the one to do that. I can't, there's no amount of pushing or prodding or bulldozing I can do to get them there. It's, it's their journey. You're not just checking the boxes. Right. You, you're leading them somewhere and they have to be willing to follow right. is what I'm yep. At the end of it, you know, for me, it's at the end of that discovery, they should be self-actualizing a different world where they can mm. actually envision. And, and it's, sure, it's 20, 30 minutes, but they should be able to go, you know what, maybe maybe things could be better. Maybe things could be different. This is an interesting way, even by your questions, I feel like you know, you're like, you're on to something and I'm curious where you're going. I love it, I love it. Uh, Adam, talking like, what would you say uh, maybe is the most common thing that you've seen uh, one of your reps or maybe even you uh, do to lose control of a sales process? Um. It happens to, I'm sure, I mean, it happens to all of us. It actually just happened to me yesterday on a, on a call. Um, I think not being prepared is one. When you get surprised by questions uh, is, is one of them. For What I see most common is when you start getting into the nuances of technical features. Does it, like, we're basically checking boxes. Does it do this or this or this? And we start to get so low into the weeds, and it's not that those aren't important questions. It's the timing of when they're asked. First, we need to all agree is this something that we're doing? Are we actively moving forward? And once these boxes are checked, we're working toward a partnership. But what'll happen is people will do that too early in the process. And what you will end up in like an endless, you know, volume of conversations, just figuring out if you meet technical requirements, as opposed to, does this solve the larger challenge that you're facing? That's one. I'm trying to think of another that, that people get, that they run into. Um, maybe just, if they ask bad, like if you ask bad questions in general, you end up getting stuck. What, what, what's a bad question? Give me an example of that. A, a bad question would be one that where you, you're asking maybe about their job role and responsibility and you let them continue on that path where, but there's no purpose, like there's mm -hmm. nothing deeper than that. So they end up spending a lot. If you only, for us, you only get 20 to 30 minutes to have that conversation. I got to get them very specifically talking about the right things. Yeah, and, but it's, Keep in mind, as soon as that person goes off on kind of down that tangent, if you can't corral them back, they're, you're out of, it's out of your process, and now it's into their process, and it, it's hard to get it back. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right on that. Adam, we're going to take a quick break uh, to thank our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to be ready for the money round. So oh don't boy. go anywhere. Let's do it. Sales tuners, Octave has built a sales productivity platform that streamlines the workflow for creating and managing your sales documents. Everything from presentations and quotes to all of your proposals and contracts. They can pull data from your CRM, CPQ, and ERP systems, saving you time and accelerating each sales opportunity. Octave has been around since 2010 and now serves more than 400 organizations. I'm talking global enterprises, guys, like GE and Siemens, national brands like Angie's List and FedEx Office, and even industry innovators like Double Dutch and Lindemood Bell. You've got to check them out. Go to Octave.com. That's O-C-T-I-V.com to learn more. And hey, during your demo, be sure to tell them you heard about them on the Sales Tuners podcast. 
All right, we're back and it is time for the money round. Adam, are you ready for the money round? I'm ready. I was born ready. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? Uh, I would say maximizing every hour of the day. If I'm going to work, I'm going to work. And I, I wake up every day and I'm passionate about what I do. And I'm going to be disciplined about the hours that I give to be successful. If you were to start over today in sales, what would you spend the next 30 days doing? I would Day one, I'd start making 50 cold calls every single day. And I'd probably still make my wife ask me, but I'd do it the very first day. And I would not let one month end without closing four deals for me and, and the type of deals that I sell, getting used to yes is a vital part of being successful. Which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? Personally, I, I hate to lose, but I only hate to lose when I know that that person needs what we have. And I hate that I didn't allow them to self-actualize that they need it and because I take that as my fault. And that that person who I know needed to experience something different in their work life or in their company that I didn't allow them to transform because I didn't get them there. So uh, to me, that's the worst feeling. What's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? Uh, well, so I'll go back to my pastor side for just a second. There's a book called We Really Do Need Each Other, and it's not in print anymore, but it's an amazing book by Reuben Welch and always recommend it to friends and, and family. Um, but I would say from a sales side, uh, the book, um, you can't learn to ride a bike at a seminar just because it has the, the foundations that I go back to. If I ever find myself off track, I'll read that. And, and everybody that starts at, at working under me, I always have them read that book. More recently, the one I'm, I'm going through right now that I'm really enjoying is, um, is mastering the complex sale, uh, and finding a lot of value there and trying to, uh, just learn from it right now too, as we start to go up market it with larger deals. Sales tuners, if you'd like to check out Adam's suggestion of mastering the complex sale for free, head over to salestuners.com slash book. Uh, there, you can sign up for a 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book. Adam, what's the biggest piece of advice that you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding? Represent a product you love and that you really believe in and be committed to the art of selling and getting better every day. I'm going to get you out of here on this one. How could someone find you or connect with you, Adam, if they wanted to after this? Uh, easiest way, and I'm happy to re respond to any emails that are sent, is through email. It's adam at amplify.com. And you can follow me on Twitter, Adam underscore Weber. Uh, probably sure to let you down by my shockingly low amount of tweets. <laughs> adam, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Jim. I appreciate it. I always love talking to a fellow Sandler trained salesman and Adam is continuing to do some amazing work at Amplify. I want to get to my top takeaways from our conversation today. Number one, get a prospect moving. In the Sandler world, they call this the pendulum theory, but essentially your questioning ability is how you get a prospect off that point of being neutral. Asking good questions establishes credibility and trust, enabling you to move that prospect along your buying process. Number two, stay the course. What makes a rep successful is their willingness to put in the work every single day. As you know, the close may not come right away, but taking the time to continually deliver value-filled messages to stay top of mind will get you where you want to go. Number three, maximize your time. This became critical for me when I had my son. Nowadays, when I waste time at work, what I'm really doing is stealing time away from him, and that's not okay to me.
Be disciplined about the hours you work and maximize that time. Instead of making four hours of work look like 10, focus on putting the specific effort in needed to hit your goals. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions you'd like me to ask our guest, please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. Be sure to sign up for our email list where we send out expanded content and previews of upcoming guests. All right, I hope to see you next week. Until then, let's make it rain. Thanks for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And they stay there!